BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. KFI AM 640, you're listening to the John Cobell Podcast on the iHeartRadio app. John Cobell Show, yes. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, we're on from 1 until 4 every day. You probably know that by now. And if you don't, well, we are. And then uh, after 4 o'clock, the same show uh, gets transformed into a podcast. John Cobelt Show on Demand on the iHeart app. uh, Posted a little bit after 4 o'clock. At John Cobelt Radio if you want to access us on social media. And the moist line is 877-MOIST-86. 877-MOIST-86. We have vacancies. It's already Tuesday now. There's plenty to be mad at, so you can call that number and uh, start uh, venting. Uh, we'll play it on Friday. Uh, the uh, the desert out east of Los Angeles, uh, fascinating place. Uh, high desert, especially Mojave. Uh, there's uh, there's all kinds of horrible things going on there, and uh, there's a lot of drug drug manufacturing and drug distribution going on. Uh, a lot of meth, fentanyl. Marijuana, and marijuana was the center of some kind of wild uh, gunfight up in the Mojave Desert. Six men shot to death, and four of them were severely burned. This happened uh, last Tuesday, and for days there was no details on what that was about. And uh, now the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department is revealing some details. Uh, It's quite a story. Blake Trolley from KFI News is on the case. Blake yeah, so sheriff's investigators are expected to release more information about this as soon as the DA has a chance to look at this case and as soon as this case gets a preliminary hearing. But what we're hearing is that this was some sort of meetup that may have turned into an ambush. Uh, as you remember, John, these murders happen in an extremely remote desert area, more than 10 miles out of Atalanto at the cross-section of two desert dirt roads. And one of the big questions was, who called this in? 
Well, last night we learned that the caller was actually one of the six people shot. And if you'll remember, John, they found five bodies initially, one in the car, four near the cars. That sixth person found was actually the person who called in the shooting. So it sounds like he was able to make some sort of run for it before he ended up dying. We learned last night uh, that one person, again, was found in the two SUVs, four found near it. Uh, Last night, investigators hinted that this may have been a meeting. They also hinted that this may be cartel-related. But they wouldn't go as far as to actually confirm that this was cartel-related. Sheriff Shannon Dykus did tell reporters, however, that this case did draw some similarities between, you know, cartel cases. Uh, After this shooting, after they initially responded to this shooting, multiple search warrants were served in the high desert. All of these were near illicit marijuana grows. They found and located the suspected shooters at a compound near a, a marijuana grow that was being developed and arrested them Sunday. We're not exactly sure where this compound was, but what I can tell you is they served search warrants in Apple Valley, Atalanto, and it's still in the high desert, but now we cross over to L.A. County in Pinion Hills. So in one of those locations, uh, we're guessing this is where they were able to uh, find and apprehend these shooters. These guys possibly may be from Honduras. Yeah, so two of the victims, last night Sheriff Shannon Dyke has told us that two of the victims were from Hon- or possibly from, from Honduras, but that investigators right now are working with the consulate to verify their uh, nationality status. What, uh, what you said about uh, possibly being drug cartel behavior, uh, the, what, what, what struck me was uh, shooting them dead wasn't enough. They also had to burn the bodies, and that kind of over-the-top psychotic violence is a hallmark of the cartels. Yeah, you know what, John? I actually went out on a ride-along two years ago in the high desert, and I was told that cartels from all over the world are actually operating the pot farms out there. And just to give you some numbers that uh, Sheriff Dykus got into last night, illegal pot farms in the high desert. Last year, investigators served more than 400 search warrants. Uh, 14 honey oil labs were busted. 655 plants were seized. But on top of all that, $375 million cash was also seized oh. as part of these uh, as part of these busts. I mean, this is the kind of money that the cartel is definitely after. And when I did a ride along, I was told that there are Asian gangs, Mexican gangs, South American gangs, all operating out there, essentially because of the way the laws are structured in California. And this is something that Sheriff Dykus took aim at last night, saying we need to have changes to the laws. Uh, when I looked into this, there was it's a multitude of issues that have kind of bred these farms. Uh, all over the desert. And what it comes down to is a few things. One of them is that a a consumer in California right now is paying up to 40% in taxes to buy marijuana. So there's still a heavy demand for the illegal stuff because it's not taxed. So the industry has actually been advocating to lower the taxes. One of the interesting things, and one reason you might not see this in the news a lot, it was explained to me, because the industry is struggling financially, they don't actually have a lot of lobby power. (laughs) <laughs> to get those taxes down. So the uh, the illegal market has taken off, and the legal industry, who's trying to lower taxes so they can compete, doesn't really have enough money to lobby for lower so, taxes. Oh, so all, uh, of California, of that, all of California's taxes on legal marijuana has created an even more violent illegal industry. Exactly. And what's happened is <laughs> the legal industry now doesn't have enough money 
to uh, to lobby for changes. Now, on top of that, the way that the laws are structured, the, the uh, criminal laws are structured as it pertains to cultivating marijuana, the punishments are relatively weak, essentially. Uh, I went out on a bust, and it was guns drawn. They seized guns at the property that I was at. This was a huge property, John, and it had, I mean, the, the people that were working at this cultivation site were living in these little, like, wood huts, Winnebago's. They had a complex water system, plants. I mean, it was almost like a tiny village. It almost looked like one of those small military simulation cities. This is the one that I went out on. And um, it was one of a few that day. And what shocked me was that this bust was so almost Hollywood, but then all the people there were just sighted on scene and we took off. And I thought, wow. And I, so I had asked the sighted, sergeant that was leading this task force. They, they weren't arrested. They were cited and released. And I, so I asked the sergeant, so you're not going to take these guys downtown? He said, the way the laws are written in this state, all we do is take their picture and they'd be on their way. So there's, there's no uh, reason not to, not to grow lots of illegal marijuana. There's no reason not to sell it and distribute it. Yeah, exactly. They get this land for cheap, that, or they just show up on somebody else's land. You know, a lot of the land that's owned out there is investors. They bought this land a long time ago. And they, they don't go visit it. They're just hoping that all the strip malls finally make it out to their little piece. So, so a lot of that land, it's, so, it's kind of the Wild West out there. Right. So there's no deterrent to doing this other than, you know, you might get uh, you know, your money in, or your, your, your marijuana grow seized from time to time. But it's pretty quick. It's pretty easy to quickly start up again. Yeah, I talked to a former prosecutor today, and he looked into this for me, and he said, you know, if you're caught illegally cultivating it, you face up to three years in prison and a $10,000 fine, and we know how prison sentences go in this state. All right, Blake, very good. Stay out of danger there. All right, thanks, Joe. That's uh, Blake Desert reporting about uh, the, the six guys shot to death. Four of them were then uh, severely burned. Uh, and the bodies scattered all over the desert, the Mojave Desert in San Bernardino County. Uh, this was up uh, off uh, US 395. I've driven, we've driven over the years up and down that route for various reasons. And I've, I've known that there's a lot of bad things going on. There's a lot of meth being cooked in the trailers, uh, a lot of fentanyl. Uh, and also, um, you know, the marijuana is being grown and and I, we would drive by, and I'd look over at these 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 I don't know these huts as Blake described them, or or the trailers, and go, I know there's bad stuff going on in there. You can just feel it, right? Because it's so remote, and these buildings would be clustered together, and there are no strip malls. There's no reason to live there because there's no town. There to to live in those little boxes, you must be up to no good. And I mean, sure enough, I I, I mean I have heard from uh let's say sources all right i'm not gonna betray anybody but um there are a lot of meth labs in the trailers for example and the uh, people who, who live there and run the labs uh guard there because what they do is they drive out to the desert and they're squatters they don't own the land but they they put down their trailers or groups of trailers and they decide okay this perimeter is our land and even the government agents won't cross it because the the meth guys in the trailers just start firing at you and they're as well-armed as any law enforcement, and there's no need to have an unnecessary shootout. So everybody in the area just knows you don't cross certain lines. Let those guys cook their meth, sell it, distribute it, whatever they're doing. Same thing with the uh, pot. And you can see with the pot, there's not even any penalties. Citation. You know what citations are? 
like parking tickets. I, so you may have, and you have the drug cartels pouring over the border, coming from countries all over the world. And this is the industry in, in Southern California out in the high desert. That's, that's the prevailing industry. And we don't do anything about it. Still the Wild West, still completely lawless. And they've created the industry because they have overtaxed legal marijuana. I, I mean, I don't, I don't do pot, but 40% of what you pay for is taxes? Ace. No wonder. There's a big black market. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. It's getting easy to uh, fill our daily segment, Time to Scare Deborah. It's uh, more United Airlines news. Or more Boeing news. You just don't want me to go on vacation. I get it. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> I miss you so bad. I know. Uh, another United Airlines flight in a plane manufactured by Boeing had to be diverted to Denver on Sunday because it had a cracked windshield. It was flying from uh, Las Vegas to Washington, D.C. when it suddenly made a sharp turn. And uh, stopped in Denver, cracked windshield. Uh, the United said it was a maintenance issue. 166 passengers, seven crew members, not a Max 8 or a Max 9. This is one of the older Boeings, the 737-800. And uh, the United CEO in the past week is fed up with Boeing. Because United has more planes, more Max 9 planes than any other carrier. It's Really just United in Alaska that has the vast majority of these Max 9 planes. And he said that the Max 9 grounding is probably the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back for us. And he says that they are probably not going to buy the new Max 10 planes that are coming out. Max 10? Max 10, because Max 8 and Max 9 went so well. This one comes with secure door plugs. The Max 10, they put in the bolts. I think before we start manufacturing new planes, we need to check the old ones and make sure we can still fly those, that they're yeah. safe to fly. And, and I found out there today there's a Max 7. Um, in fact, don't we, we got an audio uh, clip of uh, this. Oh, I'll get to it. Get to it in a few minutes. But there's a Max 7, and there's something funky with the Max 7, and United petitioned the FAA for a waiver. In other words, yeah, we we should take care of this, but would you look the other way? Yeah, how and ridiculous that, is that? How could, Again, this is not just an ordinary job. Hey, I made a little mistake. Can you not tell the boss I filed something incorrectly? Right, yeah. <laughs> the uh, So we got, we got the Max 8s. Those were falling out of the sky. We got the Max 9s. That's the problem with the bolts and the door plug. The Max 10s, United says, we're not touching them. And now there's some problem with the Max 7 that, that, that Boeing wants a waiver. Uh, now, here is some quotes from Boeing employees. These are people putting their name to the quotes. Uh, one is from Ed Pearson, a former Boeing senior manager. I would absolutely not fly a Max airplane. This was in the LA Times today. I've worked in the factory where they were built, and I saw the pressure employees were under to rush the planes out the door. I tried to get them to shut down before the first crash. Oh my! <laughs> these these people have to go to go public before the planes crash. Uh, I would tell 
Oh, here's another guy, Joe Jacobson, a former engineer at Boeing. I would tell my family to avoid the Max. I would tell everyone, really. The Here's something new I hadn't heard, but last year the Seattle Times reported that the Maxes have another serious defect in the engine anti-ice system. And the FAA has warned pilots to limit the use of the system to five minutes or debris could break off that would result in the loss of control of the airplane. And Bo that's what Boeing was seeking an engineering exemption for the anti-ice system on the MAX 7. But they, they agreed to withdraw it. Oh, that, that's... that's <laughs> How nice of the company to so, do that. So they, ha they have a problem that if you keep the de-icing system on for more than five minutes, something starts to break off and you could lose control of the plane. And Boeing said, hey, could you look the other way on this? How do these people we still have their jobs, John? I, I don't understand that. Can you I imagine? People have to stop flying these planes. And they're not doing it. They, but now they, we're told. We're told. Right. No, we're we've, been, told, we've been told. But now we're, we're told by people behind the scenes that are watching and seeing how stressed out these engineers are. Yeah. Right? I, well, no. If and they're not going to fly. They're telling their family members not to fly and everybody that they know. If the people making the planes in the factory are saying, don't fly this thing, I'll take their word for it. I know. I don't think we're going to go on Max 8s or Max 9s anymore. I don't know if I've ever been on one. But... Uh, you you can check. When, I don't want to go on any plane anymore. See, I don't I don't panic easily because I always go by math, right? And I don't think we've had a major jet Shh. crash with that killed people since 2009. I read, so that's 15 years of every plane taken off landing, nobody died, and that that's a good statistical uh, reality. But. You know, these Max things, there's too many stories now. Too, and too many different stories. It's a door plug here. It's a windshield. Uh, it's, it's uh, what, was, what, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, the de-icing system now in the Max 7s. Don't you think that these people, that these former Boeing employees, if if they know some more things, they, they need yeah. to say it now. Don't yes. wait. <laughs> Don't wait until we have a crash. I know that they're probably worried, but look, they're former employees already, right? So they don't have to worry about losing their jobs. They're See, not that, working there anymore. That's the thing. Boeing, because it's a monopoly, if these people say anything, they get fired. Where are they going to go? There's not another airline to go to, and maybe you get blackballed. Maybe, you know, the industry uh, standard is you don't you don't air dirty laundry. You don't. I, I get that, but in a case like this, again, this is just not some ordinary job. This People's lives are at stake here. So this is totally different. So if somebody wants to blackball you because you're warning about a potential situation that could kill people, well, then screw those people that don't want to hire you. Yeah. Well, got to, uh, Boeing's in a lot of trouble here. And their stock is uh, way down. We'll, we'll talk more coming up. John Cobalt Show. You're listening to John Cobalt On Demand from KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 live everywhere. On the iHeartRadio app, uh, if you uh, want to hear the podcast version of the show, it goes by quicker. Uh, it's John Cobelt On Demand on the iHeart app. And uh, otherwise, we're on from 1 to 4. We post the podcast version after 4 o'clock. Uh, millions of people have listened to the podcast, downloaded the podcast over the last year. So it's, it's great late at night. Uh, we, we can put you to sleep every night. 
Sometimes we put you to sleep during the day. Oh, maybe that's what I should do. You should night, try that right? since you don't sleep at all. So, yeah, start listening to the show. Okay. And that'll knock you right out, <laughs> I'm told. Uh, coming up after 2 o'clock, we talked about this yesterday with John Hatami. John was in here. He is one of the top candidates to replace George Gascon as L.A. County D.A. And he had some information on this really strange story. It's a Beverly Hills mansion that was seized by a court because the owner is this scam doctor, is Dr. Munir Ueda. And um, this doctor is, among other things, accused of hiring a hit woman to kill his model girlfriend. Also, he's involved in insurance scams. He's on the run. His house is left behind. And it's worth $4.5 million. The house is now in receivership for a criminal court. So the state is responsible. Somehow, squatters got in. And squatters are making $30,000 a month renting rooms and hosting huge house parties. You have to pay $100 to get into the party. This is, this is in Beverly Hills. This is a state-owned house. George Gascon could shut this thing down. He has a unit that's empowered to do it, as Satami explained. But according to Gascon's office, quote, this is an exact quote, squatters have rights. Squatters have rights, says Gascon. So everybody in the neighborhood, it's, it's on Beverly Grove, is out of their minds. And they're getting no help. No help from the court. No help from Gascon. We're going to talk with John Woodward. He's the listing agent for this property. Uh, and uh, he will explain what's going on here. It's uh, really strange. Squatters have rights. <laughs> We've been uh, covering the, uh, e the e electric vehicle fiasco. And it really is a fiasco. And one of the central components as to why, why this is such a bust of a technology is there are very few working EV chargers. There's not enough EV chargers to begin with. But a large percentage of those that exist flat out don't work. Uh, there is a writer for the Wall Street Journal, Joanna Stern. And she bought a Ford Mustang Mach-E. And she's written a number of stories on how difficult it is like to go on long road trips with, with an electric vehicle. She also came to Los Angeles, L.A. County, because we have more public EV chargers, fast ones, than any other in the country. And you may have noticed that they're popping up in, in parking lots, parking garages. They're taking up a lot of space. Uh, often they're empty. And maybe one of the reasons they're empty is a lot of them don't work. So she uh, and her video producer visited 30 different fast charging stations. They had a Rivian R1T pickup truck. And at 13 of the 30, over 40%, there were problems. So according to her unscientific survey, you stop at a, a fast EV charger. And there's a 40% chance it's not going to work. 
Uh, and there's all kinds of reasons, three categories of, of problems. And she tried to talk to the companies to see if they're going to fix it. I have a feeling they don't care. You know what, what convinced me that this is really a racket? It was the story we did last week. The, uh, the California Air Resources Board, which is the source of everything dark and evil with all these horrible environmental laws in California. It's a bunch of electric car fans. They're screaming at the executives of Electrify America because so many of their chargers don't work. And they have been on the road, members of the board, on the road, trying to get their cars charged, running into all kinds of trouble. Well, what I didn't know is Electrify America is... Uh, was financed by Volkswagen. This was Volkswagen's penance for faking emission tests on their cars and um, all and, and polluting the Earth's atmosphere. They got caught, and they had to create. They had to, as their penance, they had to build electric vehicle charging stations. So they created a company to install the stations. And a lot of their EV chargers don't work because Volkswagen doesn't care. This is like the middle finger back at uh, back at Gavin Newsom and the Air Resources Board. It's like, hey, you're going to fine us? Fine. We'll set up your EV charging stations. They don't work. I don't believe it's an accident. Anyway, here's what she found. She goes, problem number one is a lot of them are just out of order. There's Electrify America, EVgo, and EVCS operate most of the charging stalls. They're in shopping malls, parks, next to a gas pump. Out of 126 stalls, 27% were out of order. They either had a sign that said, out of order, or they had a dead screen, or they had uh, a, 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 um, a message on the screen that said, charger unavailable or out of service. Now, she called up the companies, and each company said, well, we have network operators, and we monitor the chargers 24-7. And when the problem pops up, technicians are deployed to assess and fix the issues. Well, <laughs> except apparently not. That's what they say they do. That's how they answer the question. That's what gets printed in the news story. But in effect, in reality, they don't. Sometimes parts are broken. Sometimes there's a power issue. Sometimes there's a defective connector. And um, these things, I think, are made cheaply and badly. Nobody's heart is really in this. There's a company called Charger Help that provides repair services for charging stations. Um, and one of the technicians, his method to get a charger back online... It's what you do with your uh, with your Wi-Fi at home. Turn it off and turn it back on. <laughs> Apparently, that occasionally works. Um, Electrify America rolled out these chargers five years ago, and now they're replacing most of the original chargers because they they stunk. Now, in the meantime, we're getting all these incentives and this pressure. We got a law that's going to require us uh, to uh, run electric vehicles to buy electric vehicles. The other story I saw was that California officials are admitting that they do not have an electrical grid to handle this. 
and, and they'll give you a blueprint about 150 things that need to be do, need to be done really fast, and it'll be very expensive. But the truth is, it's not being done. It's not going to get done. There is zero chance an electrical grid will be built big enough. You have no idea how much more electric capacity we would need to satisfy this mandate that we all must own electrical vehicles someday. It is a staggering amount of electricity. And we're at a little tiny fraction and we're moving slowly and there's really no practical plans out there. So I, I don't know how this is going to end. They're going to have to back off. But you should see in the Wall Street Journal, it's Joanna Stern, and you could, you could see the whole story. But it's, it's, it's just another racket because so many of these companies, they, they got a lot of uh, federal subsidy money. So the executives are making out well. The stockholders are making out, out well. This was propped up by the taxpayers. These, these were, uh, it was an industry that was invented in part by government subsidies so everybody jumped on board. They came up with their green company, their, their EV charger company, their electric car company, and most of them are going to go down in flames because there's no market for it. There's no infrastructure support. The, the technology doesn't work in a lot of the cases. As people found out this winter up north, right? Doesn't work in the cold weather. Very cold weather. Doesn't work in the hot weather. Uh, we'll continue. You're listening to John Kobelt On Demand. From KFI AM 640. John Cobalt Show, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And uh, coming up at uh, 2 o'clock, the case of this Beverly Hills mansion worth $4.5 million that's been taken over by, it's described as a very sophisticated criminal ring of squatters. Yes, the government seized the house from a doctor who not only was involved in an insurance scam, but he's accused of hiring a hit woman to kill his model girlfriend. His name is Dr. Munir Oweda. Well, he's on the loose now. He's run off. The government has seized the mansion. It's become, uh, well, it's in receivership with crimin or criminal court. And they're trying to sell it. In the meantime, these uh, squatters took over, and they're renting out rooms for $30,000 a month in income, they're hosting huge house parties. The neighbors are insane. They're so angry. George Gascon could stop all this. He's got this jurisdiction. But he said that the squatters have rights. Squatters have rights. So we are now paying the bill. We're paying the utility bill to keep the lights on and the pool running. And the squatters have been here since October. And Gascon refuses to do anything about it because squatters have rights. Anyway, we're going to talk with John A. Woodward. He is the listing agent for this property. It's a wild story. And uh, if you're living on that block, <laughs> boy, is that bad luck, huh? It's what I'm always worried about is that some knucklehead in the neighborhood is going to do an Airbnb. And suddenly there's going to be a civil war breaking out. Uh, we were just talking about all the electric vehicle chargers that don't work. And a Wall Street Journal writer came to L.A. County and found that 40% of the public electric vehicle chargers don't work. And she just looked at the fast ones. Nobody pays attention to the slow ones because you got to plug your car in for a week and a half to get a full charge. She looked at the fast ones. 40% are broken. The 
one of the other green energy initiatives. If you remember in February of last year, about one year ago, the Department of Energy proposed new energy efficiency standards for gas stoves that would have prohibited the sale of gas stoves, uh, about half of all existing models. Uh, and it was a big uproar. Uh, it was going to ban, it, it, the regulations would have banned the sale of stoves uh, that consumed a certain amount of uh, BTU energy. Uh, they got such an intense blowback from the public. Over 9,000 comments were reviewed by USA Today reporters. And the anger was, was so palpable that the government has backed off. We actually won a round. The federal government has backed off and created a standard that's going to only apply to 3% of current models. 3%. Instead of over half of the gas stoves being declared um, illegal, only 3%. So for now, the gas stoves are safe. And what they what the, in both categories, whether it's cars or stoves, I don't care if you drive an electric car. I don't care if you have an electric stove. You know, some people think gas stoves make better food. Some people love their electric cars, especially if they're Tesla. That's great. This is about something basic that's not discussed anymore. In fact, if you say it out loud, people think you're being corny, old-fashioned, silly. It's freedom. I want to drive a gas-powered car. Period. I don't have to explain to you why. I don't have to defend it. I don't have to feel ashamed. I have a gas stove. I want to keep my gas stove. I don't care if you think uh, it, uh, it food cooks better on an electric stove. It doesn't matter to me. And I don't believe, I do not believe that my stove and my car is harming anything. And I don't think all the banning that they've done already and all the regulating they've done already has lowered the temperature in the atmosphere at all. Zero. And it never will. Primarily because China and India are going to continue doing whatever they want because they have to. They have two and a quarter billion people. We have a small fraction of that. So they are going to keep uh, burning coal and oil and natural gas. And they are not going to listen to our silly, stupid scolding. So there's no reason that I can't drive a gas-powered car, especially considering the state of electric cars and those chargers. And there's no reason I have to get, a, I have to get an electric stove. I don't want to. Not your business. Get out of my life. And if there's like, if I had one wish... Is for everyone to rise up and say, get out of my life. Apparently, thousands of people did that in the gas stove debate. And uh, that uh, caused the, uh, the uh, Biden administration to back off. Because it's not their business. Freedom. Does sound old-fashioned and courty. But, uh, boy, without it, this is what happens. We come back. We're going to talk to John A. Woodward. He's the listing agent for this uh, Beverly Hills mansion. That is turned into a nightmare for neighbors because a criminal ring of squatters has taken over and they're making $30,000 a month renting rooms and hosting huge house parties. It's a sordid tale. George Gascon's office says squatters have rights, so they won't do anything about it. And they could. 
That's next. Hey, you've been listening to the John Cobalt Show podcast. You can always hear the show live on KFI AM 640 from 1 to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 